You're listening to Station F, the podcast. From the world's largest startup campus in Paris. This is Station F, the podcast, and I'm your host, Roxanne Varza. This week, we catch up with Station F startup Lemlist, whose CEO and co-founder, Guillaume Moubesh, recently turned down a $30 million investment offer. Perhaps a little bit unorthodox, but a topic that's worth being talked about. Do all startups really need to raise funding? Probably not. All right. Hi, Guillaume. Great to have you with us. Hey, Roxanne, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Super. Well, I'm really excited to kind of dive into this story and really understand how on earth you turned down 30 million. <laughs> but the first thing I want to understand is, is this a massive PR stunt? So actually, like, uh, it's, it's a really good question. A lot of people have been uh, asking this. And our goal was to really like send a clear message to the world that the success of a startup shouldn't be linked to the amount of money you get from investors. So I, you know, like I help a lot of entrepreneurs and what I often see is that people in the early days, the first thing they have in mind is to actually raise funds before having verified like their business or having their first clients. And I see them waste so much time that, you know, it felt for me like uh, almost as an obligation to, to be able to show to people that you can be successful without having to raise funds. So yeah, it was obviously something we, we planned uh, but uh, but we we didn't uh, <laughs> expect it to be so big eventually. Super. Well, I have to say, I actually really agree with the message <laughs> because <laughs> we do see like this obsession with money, and and that's why I think it's it's really great for you to to tell us a little bit more about kind of like your state of mind uh, with regards to that today. Um, tell me though, is this was this an acquisition offer or was it a funding and investment offer? Yeah, so we had several offers. Uh, one was like from VC, so investors, uh, venture capitals. And the other offer, like the $30 million one, was a private equity fund. So essentially, like they were taking a bit more of the company, so 30%. And they were offering $15 million as cash out. So $5 million each for each of the co-founders, so Vianne, Francois, and me. And $15 million for the company. So it was not an acquisition offer. It was... a also an investment offer, but with a really like huge amount of cash out. Wow. And you turned that down. <laughs> it was tough. <laughs> now I can speak about it like freely, but to be honest, like I didn't sleep well for a couple of days. When, <laughs> I can you know, imagine. Like, there, there's a difference between uh, getting money from investors and you know the money is in the company. Whether like something when they ask you, you know, like, do you want to get five million directly into your bank account? Wow, that changes the that changes things a little bit. I think I agree with you. I would not sleep well either. Um, okay, so before we go into kind of really the the whys and stuff like that, can you just give us a little bit of the backstory of Lemlist, what you guys are doing, what you're building, and then how this discussion even got started in the first place? Yeah, sure. So um, essentially, Lemlist uh, is a tool that allows sales team to book more meetings with their prospects. Uh, we started back in uh, 2018 in Paris, in Station F. <laughs> and, uh, and essentially, like three years later, we have more than 10,000 customers. Our majority of customers are based in the US, and it's like 95% international, uh, and the rest uh, based in France. 
in uh, and we have crossed without any fundings uh, 5 million ARR in less than three years. And now we just crossed actually $6 million in ARR. That's, that's pretty impressive. I remember actually the first time you and I spoke, you weren't interested in funding, I think, ever, were you? Actually, like uh, to be entirely transparent in the early days, um, I was having a chat with a friend and, you know, like he was telling me like, oh, what have you been up to? I told him like uh, we launched a startup. Then he said, how much money did you get from investors? And then I told him like uh, that we didn't get any. And uh, essentially, like uh, at that point, he said, in that case, you don't have a startup. So in my <laughs> mind, I kind of felt like shit. And then I was like, OK, you know, like when you, when you are a station F, I think you can feel it because it's like a lot of startups. But a lot of people are talking about fundraising all the time. So for me, it was kind of like the normal path. So I think we I spent maybe like a month of talking to investors and I kept receiving rejection messages in the early days. <laughs> and then, uh, then you know, I received a message from one of our clients and he was telling me, hey, G, uh, thanks a lot for helping me out with setting up my prospection campaign. I just closed my first $20,000 contract. Thanks again for your help. It's going to be life changing because I was going to be able to hire like uh, a first person in the team. So when I when I read that message, you know, I was like, oh, I want to recreate that feeling. You know, it felt so great. It felt so good. Uh, and, and I knew at that time that my focus should be on helping our customers and, uh, and not raise funds. And essentially, that's what we focused on for, for the next three years after that. Yeah, and I think, well, you guys were selected to pitch in the Future 40 at Station F. And I remember you guys had really good numbers, a lot of VC attention. <laughs> and you guys were like, no, we're just not going to go there. So tell me, how did you even get into this discussion? Because you kind of knew early on that you, you didn't need it, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. So essentially, I um, there are several things. So back in uh, October, I think 2020, I was having a chat with uh, Nathan Latka. So it was an interview. He's uh, hosting like a great podcast and he's, uh, basically American entrepreneur. And we we're chatting, and then he was telling me like, "Yeah, with your numbers, you're like bootstrap, really high margin. You don't need to raise funds." And then I told him like, "The only reason why I would like to raise funds." It's uh, by basically like uh, in order to have my article on TechCrunch. And then, you know, he told me, well, actually, you just need, you know, like to uh, reach out to a VC, pretend that you want to raise, then get a term sheet, send it to journalists and say that you're going to say no. And then, you know, we laughed about it. But afterwards, I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, I never thought about it that way. And a couple months later, I started my YouTube channel to help like more entrepreneurs um, launch their business and also give like them tips and everything. And at some point I was like, if you look at, um, you know, like how do you fundraise today? It's very like opaque, like you can't really see anything. You don't see the process. So I was like, I'm going to start interviewing successful founders who have fundraised. I'm going to start interviewing like VCs. And after that, I'm just going to like say out loud uh, that we're going to fundraise and announce publicly that we want to fundraise, let's say 20 million. And then I went for there. Wow. So, okay. So you actually went out and decided to fundraise. So then tell me, once you get the offers, how do you turn that down? Because you kind of, <laughs> you went after them. To be honest, like uh, we knew from the start that we wanted to turn it down just, you know, like uh, to send like uh, that message. But the first offer for me, it was, I think it was, as I said, you know, it's like uh, the 20 million in your company. We knew that money for us, it's not right now, it's not an issue with the cash we're making. We could hire, let's say, like 60 or 70 people more, but that's not the type of company we want to do. So 
having like more money wouldn't solve uh, the problem that we are facing. So I was like, okay, like money is this type of money is not important. But the second offer, it was really about, you know, chatting with the team <laughs> at that time and also with my co-founders because I'm not the only one deciding. Uh, so we really spent a lot of time and thought about, okay, why do we want to send this message? Why do we want to tell the world that success shouldn't be linked to the amount of money you raised? And, you know, like if you want to dig in a little bit more, essentially, like uh, if you look at the person who actually can fundraise today, it's basically, I mean, there is very, I, I know you fight a lot for diversity and everything, but if you look at today's environment of people fundings, it's very like, uh, it's very all the time the same persons. So by saying that success in entrepreneurship is equal to fundraise, you actually address your message to only like 0.001% of the entire population. And my goal is for people to launch their business and live, you know, like their life on their own terms and get the same freedom that I have while running my business. So then I thought, you know, like we are good with money. We don't really need that on a personal level. So let's, you know, like uh, be straight with our message and what we stand for and, and say no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, it makes a lot of sense. And I love that, that you guys are also trying to, to lead with kind of a different model. Um, at the same time, I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs when they raise, they say, actually, we didn't need it. We wanted to, you know, have the credibility, the network, you know, whatever the VCs are bringing to the table uh, besides the funding. Or they're saying we need this money to go even faster, even bigger. So are those arguments that you think were not necessarily valid? I think it really depends, like, because in the end, you know, I'm not against fundraising. I think some companies need it. Some companies like uh, want, you know, like to, to hire or need to hire like more people to scale faster. In our case, I think that, you know, the, the more constraint we have, the more creative we are. And, you know, like our constraint from the early days is what made us successful. So we started the company with uh, $1,000, uh, so $300 each, basically. And, uh, and in the early days, we didn't have money, you know, like to spend on ads or to do all these type of things, which made me focus on solely one thing, our customers. And I think like when you don't spend a lot of money, it forces you, you know, to go out of your comfort zone, go talk to people, go talk to your user, understand their pain, try to find solution. And I think that a lot of people who are actually raising money are, for example, I see a lot of founders in the early days, they raise funds and then they hire a sales rep, a gross marketer, et cetera, et cetera. And essentially they're, they're not even talking to their customers. I spent like a year and a half talking, like, so I was doing customer support, marketing and sales. So I was talking like 10 times a day to different customers. And I think this has made us successful because I understood the pain. I understand the market very well. And I've always been super close to customers. So I think raising fund for me is, first of all, a huge defocus because you're focusing on raising fund and not on your business anymore. And then on top of it, it's not necessary all the time. But as you said, you know, like uh, it can bring good PR. Uh, it can bring maybe like credibility sometimes. But in our case, I think we, we managed to do this uh, without funds. And, and I think for now, we, we want to keep it that way. Super. And how many offers did you guys actually end up getting? In the end, like, because uh, essentially, like, uh, we got two offers, but uh, I decided not to meet with uh, every single uh, investor because I knew that we were going to turn down the offers. So once we received, like, the first one, I didn't even want to meet with uh, any other investors, but actually, like, the, the private equity fund because we did like uh, our pitch in public 
and we shared all our numbers uh, from churn, customer acquisition costs, sales efficiency, etc. We shared everything live. Uh, the, the private equity fund did actually like uh, an amazing job. They sent us like uh, uh, 50 pages reports with our market, our competitors, where were we standing, etc. And at the end, the offer. So it was it was quite crazy. Yeah. Wow. Um... I want to come back also to the Lemlist kind of story because I think you kind of hinted at how you guys essentially just built this from the ground up. You just mentioned, for example, we kicked it off with 1,000 euros, 300 each. Um, you know, it kind of sounds like very, very different from what a lot of people have in mind when they want to set out to build a company. You're absolutely right. People think they need to start with loads of cash and, you know, maybe they don't have access to the right networks and the right people. Um, so tell me, how did you guys turn that 1000 into this business that you're running today? Where, How did you generate the money that you actually needed to, to become a sustainable business? I think, to be honest, that uh, your best investors are your customers' money, you know? So it's like, uh, if you can find customers quickly, that's the best way to grow. Obviously, like in the early days, it was tough, but you know, the thing is like business is all about getting to know people and solving their pain. So what I did is uh, all the things, you know, that don't scale. So I was on every single Facebook group that was talking about sales. I was reaching out to people individually, trying to build like relationships eventually like offering a solution to their problem, step-by-step step, trying to build like the best tool possible. And um, I think we had a good, really good traction in the early days because when we launched on uh, Product Hunt, uh, I think it was like a month and a half after the first line of codes. So the product was really, really ugly, but our value proposition was very different because uh, we were adding much more personalization versus any other tool. And we were showing that sales prospecting should be about building relationship and to do so that you needed extra personalization. And by launching on Product Hunt, we got a lot of exposure, a lot of beta testers. And afterwards, you know, it was my job to keep the people on the platform. So what I was doing essentially is like talk to them, explain them that our goal was to build the best product ever created. Um, and then from Product Hunt, we got spotted by um, a platform called AppSumo. So AppSumo is a huge community of entrepreneurs in the US where essentially like they, they sell your software at a very discounted price for a limited time. And at that time, you know, we didn't have money. So we thought, okay, like we don't even have like real customers paying. So let's go and let's see how much we can do. And in two weeks, we made like uh, $160,000. Uh, so it was like a, a great kickstart, I would say. And then afterwards, we leveraged all this person to start building a community and really like involved our customers in our journey. So um, from the early days, I've been documenting pretty much everything. So how much money we make, I do like review quarter, quarters, I talk about like the things that uh, we fuck up, the thing that we do well, etc., etc. And I think being transparent, both with the team and also with the outside world is a great way, you know, like to involve more people in your story. And it kind of like build that relationship and that trust that you need to acquire more customers and have more word of mouth. Super. Well, you just kind of invited me to ask you about the fuck ups. <laughs> so <laughs> tell, tell me, because honestly, when you tell the story, it sounds like we started out with little cash. We found a great, you know, kind of this app sumo uh, kind of helped us kick off our business. We generated all this money in a short amount of time. We never needed any investments. The numbers were good. The customers. I mean, it sounds like the perfect story. So what did you guys actually fuck up? What are the challenges? <laughs> oh, there are a lot. But I think like uh, the biggest one where at least I got the 
I got scared a lot was, um, so we built a community and in the early days, I think like after three months, there were maybe like uh, 1500 people in the community. So it was getting started. It was quite nice. And eventually like we were looking at our numbers and our activation rate was really bad. So activation rate for us is when someone signed up to Lemlist, uh, do they send a campaign or not? If they send a campaign, they are activated. If not, they are not. So we started thinking with Vianne and Francois and we were thinking about the product. How can we simplify or do something different? So we decided to rebuild entirely the product without testing it with any of our customers because obviously we thought that we knew better, you know, like typical <laughs> entrepreneur mistake. And, and then we decided like from, you know, like Vianne and Francois, I think they pushed it live at uh, maybe like 11 p.m. at night. And then, you know, like we all went to bed and it was fine. And in the morning I wake up and I have like maybe, I don't know, hundreds of emails and I have like messages on the Facebook community of people like just insulting us saying like, why the fuck did you change the interface? I don't know like what's going on, but this is fucking stupid, et cetera, et cetera. And it was only like raging messages of people. And then at that point I was like, oh shit, you know, like I think we did, we did something wrong. And I felt like we were going to lose, you know, all our customers. So a lot of people were yelling at us, etc. So I was trying, I decided to reach out to every people who was like uh, very like uh, vocal uh, individually, try to understand their pain. And Vianne and Francois, they are like really, really amazing developers. So they were able to like fix things as we go. But it was really, really tough and really stressful because that month, I think we had like a uh, highest like uh, churn rate. So the most like uh, tons of people basically churning. So canceling their membership. But eventually later, actually, like uh, our activation rate improved. But, you know, like at that time, I was like, this is definitely not the right way. We should, you know, have like onboarded a few people on the new interface, test it, get feedback and then like uh, keep building the product. But yeah, very, very <laughs> good happens. learning. And just so I understand, you actually did the customer service yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> wow, <So laughs> that must have been quite something. <laughs> I did that for 18 months, actually. Uh, and I, I remember when we hired uh, Ena, which uh, she was like our first uh, like customer support uh, representative. Like I was so happy because it was like, oh my God, I'm not going to have, you know, like to do tickets because we have like our the vast majority of our customers based in the US, but we also have like people in Australia. So in the morning, like from 6 a.m. till 8 a.m., I could be on the Australian market. Then it was like more European and afternoon till night, it was uh, U.S. So at, at some point after 18 months, you get a bit tired. <laughs> I can imagine. So I, I want to come back to the acquisition, uh, the acquisition, not acquisition, funding, but also money in your bank account, because I think that's a really important component that we shouldn't overlook, because part of me just thinks if you... I mean, honestly, there's a number that will get you to say yes. Is there not a number that, you know, or it's a deal that you guys could have been offered that would have gotten you guys to to agree to the funding? Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's a, it's a really good question. Uh, so, you know, in the end, it always come back to what you want to do in life. So I come from like a, a background, like my family, my parents, for example, like they grew up on a farm, they didn't study. So we, we never had a lot of money when I was growing up. And initially, when I started like the the business, I I thought you know like okay, I want uh, I want money in my life because money is gonna be like impactful on your happiness. So we started getting our first salary, then we got started getting good salaries and a really really good one. And then you know eventually I I realized that it didn't change me. You know I'm still the same guy. I still buy the same 
five dollars a Uniqlo t-shirt <laughs> and you know it's it, it hasn't changed anything for me and what I really like however is to see what we are building and how we are helping people so I think like obviously there is always a number where you're going to be able to say okay yes we're going to sell but I think that this number should be like in our position something totally you know like out of range something that doesn't make sense because it should be like a, a multiple so high that we were like okay like it doesn't make sense for us not to sell. But in the end, you know, we like so much what we're doing and we have so much freedom in everything we do. And also, like, we don't really now have the need for more money that we say, like, yeah, I mean, I feel good, you know, helping every single people we hire to grow, to learn new things, to become like the best version of themselves. I feel really good to know when my customers are saying, like, yeah, we signed our first customers now and it's working really well or we are able to build like predictable like pipe and everything like those are the things that really like motivate me in life and not money anymore and i think it's the same for vienna and francois because i think we all come from very like a modest family and we never had like a lot of money and i don't think this is something in the end that matters too much for us that's i think that's really great to hear not because it's necessarily rare i do think that there's probably you know quite a few entrepreneurs that feel the same way but also because it is a common misconception of a lot of people when they look at entrepreneurs they think everyone's there for the money um and so it's really great to hear you and to hear you know this company actually come out and say it um i'm wondering though like if okay so this was about funding if one day you guys get like a snapchat style like three billion acquisition offer what do you say to that <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think like three billion is is a uh, is your month like you can't turn down. But again, you know, it it will depends at what stage we are in the business, because eventually, you know, like uh, you become so big that do you really need like even more? If you're like happy in what you do, if you feel like uh, the team is happy, that everyone's growing, and you have like this family spirit that we have here, do we really want to sell? I don't think so. I think it would be, and you know, even at the end, you know, it's like we are the co-founders. But for me, the business, the business is owned, you know, like by everyone. So it's like it's a it's a common decision. Uh, and I think it would be based on the team decision, on our decision. And yeah, try to make like uh, everyone happy in, in that time. Interesting. Yeah, that was one of the, the things that we actually heard from Jessica Livingston when she came to visit Station F. She said, you know, a lot of the early stage companies at White Combinator um, they just tell them, don't even think about acquisitions because it's way too early. And obviously, YC companies, it's probably too early. But we do see that a lot in Europe, that companies get really tempted to sell very quickly. So I love that you're even telling me, kind <laughs> of, maybe I'll take $3 billion, but maybe I won't. <laughs> so I think that's really, really good to hear. Um, so before we finish, I'd love to know, I mean, it sounds like you're really in this for the long term. It sounds like, you know, you've you've got the marathon down. Tell me, where do you guys want to go with Lemlist? What should we expect to see next? Yeah, so it's actually like for me, I think it's super exciting because we're doing a lot of new things. So Lemlist, you know, is like a, a part like is helping really like sales team. But there are tons of other tools that can help sales team, you know, like boost their sales, grow their revenue. So our mission overall, you know, is to help 1 million entrepreneurs launch a business in the last, uh, in the less uh, in less than three years. Um, so basically like, um, we're going to be able to do that with tons of courses that we're going to launch now, because my goal is to give back as much as possible in the last three years. I've tested so many things that, you know, like I have quite a lot of stuff to share. 
um, and I wanted to be able to share it to the to like the the largest audience possible. And on top of it, like uh, we want still to develop the the product. We potentially can also start attacking like uh, a whole new market later on, but uh, I can't disclose too much about that. But we have like uh, great opportunities and tons of exciting things uh, coming soon. Super. Well, we're definitely going to keep an eye out. Um, it's been absolutely great, not only hearing your story, but also watching your progress. Um, so we are rooting for Lemless. Thanks so much for being <laughs> with us today, Guillaume. Thanks a lot, Roxanne. It was great talking to you. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you liked this episode, make sure to give us many, many stars. And if you have feedback or if you want to suggest a topic or a guest, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter or by email at press at stationf.co. Finally, make sure to follow us and not miss out on our next podcast episodes. We are available on all your usual podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Deezer, and Google. All right. See you soon.